Good morning, everybody. I know we were asked to come up and very briefly, you know, give uh, a few opening remarks about um, kind of some of the things that we think can unify uh, the women of the house. Um, also, a little bit about what it's um, like, what, what it was like to run in 2016. And the last thing is talk a little bit about. Um, about what the Republican Party needs to do um, to get more women uh, to run, and not just to run, but how do we get more women here, which requires more than running, it requires winning. And um, that has been a bit of a challenge. I, I do want to just start out briefly by just saying that the Women's Caucus, which I co-chair with Lois Frankel, um, and Mimi is the vice chair, um, along with Brenda Lawrence from Michigan, um, it is probably, we're, we're moving on some things, but it's been off to a little bit slower start, I think, than I would have liked. Um, and that is because right now, um, things are so polarized um, between the parties, even though we have a lot of friends across the aisle. Um, and, and so we are trying to find those things to work on together. So for instance, what Jim just mentioned, the bill that I introduced because of an Indianapolis Star investigation uh, of regarding USA Gymnastics and some other USA amateur sports organizations not adequately protecting young athletes from sexual abuse by coaches or trainers or physicians. Um, we introduced a bill together um, along with Martha Roby um, in the House regarding the reporting requirements and training and so forth. So there are those things. I, I give you that as an example of there are those areas that we really do just cut through the partisanship. And I think they do often involve, whether it's sexual assault, domestic violence, um, human trafficking, um, all of those things in many ways honoring the women in the military. We at the at each year, um, the women of the house honor, we go to Memorial before Memorial Day weekend and do a service for the women in the military who have sacrificed. There are so many things that we really do think about, talk about together. We're always trying, Lois and I are always trying to promote to members when we hear that a, that a female member has a bill, hey, have you, have you found the Democrat colleague to help? And, and we're not taking credit as Women's Caucus for that, we're just trying to promote that because we know that back home, people like to hear that we actually have friends across the aisle and can get things done, like Mimi's incredible bill for her first term. So that, it does happen. I think it's a little bit harder right now than maybe it's been in the past, and I do believe it's in large part because of the incredibly difficult election cycle that we just came through. Um, I actually ran against a woman uh, in the last uh, in the last cycle. It got little to no attention. I thought it might get more attention. I was fine with that. <laughs> because she was a highly accomplished veterinarian and a, a military member, and I really, uh, with the what was happening in the country, I really thought um, it would be much more of a challenge than it was. Um, but I ended up, I was fortunate, I won by 68%, which was still terrific, but um, but I certainly don't take any of that for granted um, because I certainly know that one of the things that I will just share with you that Democrat women have that quite frankly we on the Republican side just don't have is the backing of an incredibly well-organized group like Emily's List. 
and I will just share with you, and we have terrific groups of UPAC being one that was the only, by the way, the only PAC to endorse me in my run for Congress in 2012. Um, I ran in a seven-way primary against six men, a former member of Congress, a physician who'd run, a mayor. I was in a really tough primary. It was UPAC and Kathy McMorris Rogers who stepped up and who helped me, but they were about the only ones. And so I'm just going to shift to that, and I'll go on to, uh, to Mimi. Um, I think our biggest challenge, quite frankly, is, is getting through primaries. We actually have women who run, and we have a lot of efforts to get women to run. Um, but we have a very difficult time getting the women through the primaries. The women are typically not as well, they, their campaign teams are not as well organized. Their fundraising is not as robust. Um, one of the things that I'm constantly talking about is that the top donors in the country are men, far and away, are men. The top donor, we have some top female donors, but the, the comparison, it doesn't really compare to what the top male donors are giving. That's somewhat of a challenge for us. Um, uh, but I, it, it, and Karen Handel just came through that incredibly tough uh, primary, uh, eked it out, and now we, we need to get behind her. I know that I was behind her. That's in large part also, and I might add, and I'm thrilled that your chief is here, we have strong female chiefs of staff who keep us, my Susan Pack, for instance, is focused on getting women elected, okay? I'm trying very much to support women who are out there um, because I feel that's so very important, as I know most of you do. Um, the only thing I'll just leave you with, and this is a, a statistic since we have um, those represented embassies in the world, I wish that our female leadership in our legislative bodies was much higher than it is. Um, many, many years ago, um, most of the developed countries entered into an agreement to try to elect a lot more women to Congress and actually, or to their legislative bodies or parliaments and so forth. Guess where the United States ranks right now in the world in women in legislative bodies? Anyone want to take a guess? A hundredth. A one hundredth of countries, that's where we rank. We're at 19.4% or 19.6% of our members are women. Uh, and that's both sides of the aisle. Uh, and we know that Republicans have a long way to go to catch up. We have got to change this. Connie Morella, having been a, a pioneer, although she's one of 300 women who've been elected to Congress. We learned this dur during the Jeanette Rankin celebration. One of 300 women, you're not even, but Jeanette Rankin. But you were here in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. And, um, and, and honestly, the numbers have kind of slid back a little bit for, for Republican women. Um, I, Jackie Walorski and I were the first Republican women to be elected from Indiana in 50 years. So there was one woman from 49 to 59, and in fact the first woman in Indiana who was elected in the early 1900s was a Republican. But we just have not um, progressed in the way that we, that we need to. But I want to just close um, by saying, and it's so cool, that Emily is here with her mom on Emily, a second trick grader. Can you stand up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is here. Yeah. Take your daughter to work today. And Emily has run for 
office, okay, in her class, and um, uh, won once, lost once, and that's okay. And, and, and she lost because seven women, seven girls were running. <laughs> and it was a really, really tough competition. But I told her it's great that she ran, and she said, well, because I lost, I now get my recess time back. <laughs> you know, there's sacrifices, right? If you run, you give up recess. Um, and so, but, and she weighed that, okay, probably before she decided to run. But these are things that we decide. But she said when she did win, they did get popsicles, which I love that you got cool things when you did win. Um, we need a few more popsicles we here. Do. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. everyone it's great to be here and I've had such um, the honor and pleasure to work with so many women since I've gotten to uh, to Congress um, people like Susan and Kathy and, and the rest of uh, the women who uh, I serve with um, coming from California all the way to DC and coming from being in the minority to being in the majority has been really very special for me uh, I'm thrilled to actually have an opportunity to have some of my ideas move forward and and fortunately had um, a piece of legislation signed into law by President Obama in, in uh, my first term. One of the misconceptions I think that we face is when we talk about women is, is and it was mentioned in the in, introduction, we, we talk about women's issues, you know, there's certain women's issues, healthcare, education, uh, it's really much more than that. We like to say that all, it, all issues are women's issues. And uh, I think that's a very important message that we get through to people. Uh, I'm uh, excited because I actually have a piece of legislation that I've put forward um, that we're going to be dropping uh, pretty soon here, and it has to do with uh, work flex. I mean, I'm a mom of four. My kids, fortunately, now are in college and out of college, and some of those in the audience who know me, I had um, three in college at one time. Very poor family planning. <laughs> I basically have no money left. So when you see my financial reports, you will know all the money has gone to the kids' education. But um, I, I think that as a working mom, it's really important to be able to have to balance um, your home life and your work life. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges that I faced when I uh, ran for office because I served 10 years in the California State Legislature and so I had that commute when my youngest was in third grade and my oldest was in seventh grade that's when I started it and we see now that a lot of businesses um, are being mandated by states and local and localities where they have to do they have to offer mandated uh, paid leave for their employees and that's going to start to become the norm and so what we want to try to do is we want to give businesses that opportunity um, to offer paid leave, but really do it more on their terms so it would work for their business and for their employees. So we're introducing a piece of legislation that will basically say if you're a company um, and you wanted to opt in to this program, then you would have to, based on the size of your company, you would have to offer paid leave, um, but you also can offer work flex time. So let's say a, a person needs to have a schedule where they work four days a week but 10 hours a day or they want to sh do sh uh, sharing um, their job with somebody or they want to have um, be able to do some sort of tele, tele um, do it from a different location, telecommunication uh, type of, of um, work hours. That idea 
would have to be the employee and the employer would have to agree to it. So it's not like the employer would mandate it on the employee. But if you were to opt into this program, then this program would supersede state law. So in other words, if you're a company that has multiple locations throughout the whole country, this would be a really great opportunity for you to have sort of a, a standardized um, program to offer your employees. Because what we're seeing happening right now is we're seeing a lot of businesses are having to deal with um, um, uh, like a different pattern sort of, well, in this state I have to do this, in this state I have to offer this, and it's just really making it very difficult on businesses. So we're very excited about this legislation. And Yvette, who's with me today, has worked really hard on it. And we have to, we're amending ERISA. So it's um, taking a lot of thought uh, process to go in. And we're really making sure that when the bill gets dropped, that we're not going to have um, opposition to it. And I think, honestly, this could be a bipartisan piece of legislation. Uh, so I'm hoping that we'll be able to get um, some uh, Democrats involved in it as well. Um, Moving forward, as Susan mentioned, we are very much in a very toxic environment right now politically. We all know that sitting in this room. And uh, I, when I ran in, in 2016 in the last election, I, I ran against a man. I always seem to run against men. However, I will say that there is a Democrat woman running against me for this next election. And she's Elizabeth Warren's protege. Um, Hillary Clinton won my district, and so the Democrats are targeting me now, even though I won by 17 points, Trump lost by six. So that's a 23-point swing, but they are doubling down, and Elizabeth Warren's got a, a woman who she wrote a book with, who lives in my district, who is a law professor. Um, Elizabeth Warren was, uh, uh, was her professor at Harvard. This is really serious, and when you talk about Emily's list, the fact that she will be able to tap into not only Elizabeth Warren's um, network of people for fundraising, but she will also have Emily's list behind her. And so when we talk about one of the obstacles for women, what's difficult, it is the fundraising side of it. We um, typically um, are not as aggressive and not as bold. And so I think we really need to make sure we have that infrastructure in place for our Republican women to help them raise the money. And I know that uh, many of the women in our conference have made it sort of their mission to help those women get out of the primaries and help financially support them. Now, I also want to make sure that I phrase this in a way that it's not that we think women, just because you're a woman, you should get our support. We feel very strongly you have to be qualified and you have to be um, somebody that we could get behind because what we don't want is we really want the best person in office, we don't want you there just because you're a woman. So how we get our women to be qualified and so that we know they have a viable chance is by building that farm team, quite frankly. And um, I'm a co-founder of the California Women's Leadership Association, which is an organization that started in Orange County, uh, where I, uh, the area I represent. And our whole mission and this organization's been around for over 20 years now, but our whole mission was to help give women the tools that they need and give them the confidence to run for office so that they that could be a bench that we um, build from. And we've been extremely successful in Orange County with, uh, with women elected officials. Uh, and we've sent them to the state legislature. I'm actually the first female Republican 
from Orange County in Congress. So I sort of broke my old, the old mold um, for women when it comes to Orange County in Congress. But having organizations like California Women's Leadership Association really help bring women uh, in into politics. And we are so lucky to have people like Emily who's willing to take it on at such a young age because she's setting an example for the people and uh, for her, her women that are coming behind her. So we can't start too soon. But um, it's really an honor to be here and um, I really uh, enjoy working with all of you. Betsy, you did such a great job. You can either have the first or the last question. I'm going to ask the first question, if that's okay, which is this. You both spoke to um, 